Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this season, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every single goddamn page in a trio of adventure modules for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes RPG, starting with Adventure MT1, All This and World War II. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. All This and World War II was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 20 of All This and World War II. We're picking up with chapter 2 of the adventure, which actually began on last page. When last we left our heroes, Nick Fury had asked slash told them to come to New Mexico and assist him in testing the Cavalier Infantry Support System, which is a secret robot they can't know anything about, except it is meant to operate against people like them. Through various incentives and threats, Nick Fury is able to get any old super team to participate in this project, so he tells them to go to New Mexico where he will meet them at the airport. And that is where we begin Chapter 2, colon, The Grand Tour. Once again, after a riveting session or two of trying to figure out what's in that goddamn cardboard box, we are presented with non-superhero action. Quote, allow the players to come up with their own means of transportation out to New Mexico. Perhaps they can take the team vehicle if they have one. Otherwise, if worse comes to worse, they can always book passage on a commercial airline. Fury will reimburse them for the trip, so there is no need for a resources roll. So okay, we can have a little discussion about how we'd like to get to Albuquerque. That's fair. It's our punishment for not having a team vehicle. See page 9. Anyway, quote, When the team arrives at the Albuquerque airport, Fury himself will be there waiting for them. He will then usher everyone into a government van, which will take the heroes to a large house located in Albuquerque's northern suburbs. For the duration of the weapons testing, this house and the van they arrived in will be placed at the hero's disposal. Inside, there is plenty of living space for everyone and a complete assortment of modern conveniences. Then after everybody's had some time to chill out, enjoy the house, drive around Albuquerque in the van, Nick Fury drives everybody out into the desert. Uh, it says 10 miles outside of Albuquerque, and we get some read-aloud text. Quote, After a 15-minute drive, you arrive at a large, fenced-in compound. You notice ultra-modern motion detectors and bioscanners all along the perimeter. This base is probably one of the most well-secured facilities in the entire country. Whatever it is that goes on here, the people obviously don't want too many people to know about it. This base is classified top secret. From this moment on, you are all subject to the Official Secrets Act. Right now, I'm going to take you inside and show you around a bit. By the way, you'll notice the security equipment scattered all along the perimeter. Every inch of the base features state-of-the-art anti-intruder systems. Nobody, and I do mean nobody, can get in here without authorization. From now on, you better carry these ID cards with you at all times. Fury hands each of the heroes a photo ID. Just to further rub it in, this isn't like the shitty security at your base. Remember when I sent my ninja intern to drop a box in your fucking lobby and he didn't even appear on your security tapes because he's that much of a badass? That was child's play. You are children compared to him, compared to us. I know all about you and you know nothing of me. Take this ID card. Anyway, assuming you don't have a particularly rambunctious player who decides, fuck Nick Fury, I'm jumping that fence. Although honestly, I would not blame that player. Uh, assuming that doesn't happen, Nick Fury starts showing everybody around the base. And given the very need-to-know policy so far, this is a very casual tour. Quote, The tour will begin with Fury's own office. The office is very comfortably furnished and features a huge bank of video monitors and displays. Its polished wood paneling seems to clash with the antiseptic metallic look that runs throughout the rest of the base. There's nothing really going on here. There are monitors. It is clean. Nick Fury works here. There is, however, exactly one interesting detail here. I wonder if this could be important later. Quote, Before the heroes leave the area, they will notice a strange photograph on the wall behind Fury's desk. The photo was taken back in 1943, 
and shows Nick Fury and his howling commandos posing with a group of figures wearing strange red and blue costumes. It goes on to say that, quote, when Fury notices the heroes eyeing the photograph, he says, That was taken back in the good old days. 1943. Don't know who the strangers are, but they sure saved our butts. Wow, that's a great story, Colonel Fury. I can understand why, of all the events of your storied decades-long career, you decided to decorate your office with exactly one picture of that time strangers helped you do something. Anyway, the next stop on the very casual top-secret tour is the security office. Quote, Inside, Fury will introduce the heroes to Special Director Mike Casey, the man in charge of base security. Casey is the young, eager type. He is pleased to have such an important assignment after only a few years with the organization, and his enthusiasm is readily apparent. Note that it's a few years with the organization. Nick Fury is now working for Not Quite Shield, which kind of makes all this a lot worse because Shield has name value. Like Shield is a part of the Marvel universe. You don't like to have Shield sneak into your superhero base, but at least it's like, okay, my thing is I'm a superhero. Your thing is you're a spy. We're both Marvel characters. If you want to sneak into the base from time to time, that's your prerogative. That's your corner of the universe. This is not Shield. This is nobody. Because again, remember, in, at this time in continuity, there is no shield. So on the illustration in this page, we've got Nick Fury leaning up against his desk in his office, wearing his whole like blue jumpsuit with the little belt and the holster and everything. And there is no shield. But Nick Fury can't let go. He's still wearing the blue jumpsuit on his own initiative. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. It's a security room, lots of monitors, a few guards. Then it's time for the top secret tour to mosey on into the research labs. Quote, each of the facility's labs are huge rooms stuffed full of every type of scientific equipment imaginable. In this first lab, Fury will introduce the heroes to Dr. Klaus Kruptman, who is at work on a project with several of his assistants. Spread out on a table in front of the doctor are scores of papers and documents. <clears throat> Nick Fury introduces you to Dr. Kruptman and says that Kruptman is one of his most trusted researchers just because he and Kruptman are the only two people here old enough to remember World War II. So this is, this is 1989 when this is published, right? And we know, because I gave you a little spoiler on this earlier, Klaus Kruppmann was a leading scientist for the Nazis before his defection to the United States in 1945. Later events will make it clear that he has to have already had this position by 1943. And by the time he had it, he would have had his doctorate. And let's say he would have been around 30 years old by the time he got that doctorate. That makes Kruppmann 76 years old in the present which is pretty old to be doing the kind of intensive hands-on work that he's doing, especially given the subject matter, which our heroes can actually discover in this scene. It says, quote, Ask anyone who tries to look at the papers spread out before Kruppmann to make a remarkable intensity reason feat roll. If the observer has any sort of science talent, lower the intensity of the feat to good. This is where your science character comes in handy. If this feat succeeds, the hero will be able to discern from the paperwork that Kruppmann and his assistants must be working on a project that involves chronal locomotion, and then helpfully in parentheses, it says chronal locomotion means time travel. And there's a little note here. The characters are not privy to this, but I just have to let you in on this because it feeds into the dumbest thing on this page. Quote, it was Kruptman's inexplicable knowledge of the field, that is to say time travel, that originally secured his position with the organization. Okay. You've got a 76-year-old top German physicist from the World War II era, with an inexplicable knowledge of time travel. Well, your time travel resume does look pretty impressive. Where did you learn about time travel? Was it during some of those unaccounted for years in Nazi Germany that we're always asking about and you never have any answers about? No, no, no. Just, you know, I just picked up the science of time travel. Anyway, please, before I die, 
allow me to help you build a time machine with this knowledge that I got nowhere, especially not Nazi Germany. If you're doing a time travel project, the last thing you want is someone with inexplicable knowledge of time travel. I mean, honestly, they're lucky this guy's only a secret Nazi, because there are a number of conclusions to draw here in the Marvel Universe, and none of them look good. Is this guy a time traveler? Is this guy an alien? Is this Kang? It's the Marvel Universe. You always have to stop and ask whenever the subject of time travel comes up and anything seems even slightly out of order. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this Kang? Are you Kang? Are they Kang? Am I Kang? The odds are surprisingly high. But in this case, Kruppmann is just a secret Nazi trying to use time travel to pursue his Nazi goals. So not quite S.H.I.E.L.D. really dodged a bullet here. The dumbest thing in this page is this agency, not quite S.H.I.E.L.D., their security measures are all over the fucking place. Scene number one, they're like ghosts. They're like angelic visitors. Get in anywhere, know everything. No psychic, no wizard, no godling can possibly penetrate their spotless security protocols. Then scene two, you show up at the actual base where they wanted you to go to do the thing, right? The whole point of that ninja mission into your base was to secretly deliver you a cardboard box containing a secret television upon which Nick Fury could convey the secret message, hey, do you want to come to New Mexico? Then when you get to New Mexico to the top secret base, Nick Fury just takes you on a random tour of all the top secret facilities. Like, here, here's my office where I run the whole compound. Here's the security room where you can see everything that happens. You can kind of get the lay of our security system, our security staffing here. Uh, once you're comfortable that you know all our security measures, let me direct you over to this uh, top secret research lab that has nothing to do with why I brought you here. No need to knock. I'm sure Dr. Kruptman, one of my most trusted scientists working on an extremely top secret project, won't mind if we just walk in unexpected. Oh, did you see something interesting on his desk? By all means, go ahead, ri rifle through, take a look. Our secret base is your secret base. But I hope you're not getting any suspicious ideas about Dr. Kruptman. He is one of my most trusted advisors. <laughs> I mean, to abuse this time travel technology that we're giving him access to, you would have to have motive and opportunity. I just don't see that in this elderly ex-Nazi who's a master of time travel theory for no reason. It's about this time that the superheroes will probably get a little more comfortable and be like, so anyway, about this thing we're doing tomorrow, do you want me to wear like shorts and sneakers? Should I be dressing for work? You want me to dress kind of business casual for this Cavalier infantry support thing? And Nick Fury is like, that's classified, soldier. I can't tell you anything about what you personally are doing in about 12 hours from now. You just keep to your business and rifle through those top secret documents on that desk. Hail somebody, I'll never tell who. Who's that? That's Dr. Kruptman, my most trusted advisor. Don't mind him either. It's going to come up again and again, but here already in chapter two, it's unmistakable. This adventure has no internal logic. It is dictated wholly by the needs of a designer who wants the player characters to do exactly what he tells them and nothing else. At any given time, the NPC's priorities and demands serve only that purpose. And that's why Nick Fury has gone from answering zero questions about anything in chapter one to taking the player characters on a casual parade through all of his top secret facilities in chapter two. Oh, and by the way, on this page, the player characters also meet a scientist named Dr. Cooper. There is no point to Dr. Cooper except to provide someone, anyone for the players to suspect later, other than the obviously evil Dr. Corruptman. Don't worry about Dr. Cooper. You're not going to need to know that name. Anyway, our heroes then get five karma for taking the tour, not that they had any choice. They get 10 karma if they looked at Corruptman's top secret documents. 
because you get karma for abiding by the wishes of your government, but more karma for abiding by the wishes of your GM. And then they're off to bed to get a good night's sleep before they face Cavalier, whatever the fuck that is. Join me next time to find out on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact the show however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Podbean, Gmail, Instagram, etc., etc. This episode's theme music is Robinson's Grand Entry March, performed by the United States Air Force Concert Band. Thanks for listening.